You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in a Tuesday edition of Locked On Syracuse. Tim Leonard and Tyler Aki, happy to have you with us as always. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast. That'll help us out and tell a friend, as we always say. Drop a review, rate. chat. Yep, just get the word out there. If you enjoy the pod, if you enjoy waking up and firing up this every weekday morning and getting caught up on Syracuse this way, let your other Syracuse friends know that you can get caught up this way as well. So, Ty, um, interesting news to talk about today on the basketball recruiting front. Roddy Gale, a guy we both love, I think, and a guy that we are both very excited about, 2022 class guy comes out Friday or excuse me comes out Monday morning and says that on Friday November 13th of all the Friday the Friday the 13th he is going to announce his school and who where he's going to commit to the 2022 cycle so my initial thought to this was oh great like Syracuse has kind of been a front runner for a while here that's exciting news I hope we get him I feel pretty good about it and you see the other schools that he mentioned here you got Pittsburgh Marquette Georgetown Ohio State and UConn joining Syracuse and I'm thinking sounds like a, a Big East fans dream right there yeah a dream list for a true Big East fan yeah no and this is a kid from Niagara Falls he's a top 100 prospect honestly he's kind of dipped in the rankings a little bit sort of suspiciously lately he's now down to number 76 on 24 7 sports but you watch his tape and and there's a lot to really like about his game and he just kind of made sense as that next guy in the 2022 cycle if he did come, and I, I'm saying all this, and the butt is coming, the big butt is what dropped on Monday. As of recording this, three crystal balls have come in, and they're all for Ohio State on Roddy Gale. And now, this obviously comes with a caveat. This does not mean that he's going to Ohio State, but history would kind of suggest that that's a big red flag. Yeah, you always want to follow the breadcrumbs a little bit. Now, those breadcrumbs can occasionally lead you off a cliff, but... You should always, where there's smoke, there's fire is what I'm trying to say. And th- you mentioned there's three crystal balls in. One of them is Brian Snow from 24-7, who is one of their top guys in terms of basketball recruiting. So I take his word with a, a decent amount of validity to what he's putting out there. Now, I will say this. What is Steve Wiltfong up to? Can we get him over to the basketball <laughs> side of things so he can just Our ruin this entire guy. process for everything, everyone out there? But no. But... It's interesting, too, because I was reading and I see Ohio State so heavily picked in that regard. And it kind of makes me remember the Sunday night football game this past week where everyone picked the Bucs. Everyone on that panel picked the Bucs. But it was ultimately the the Saints who came away with the arousing victory right there. But I looked at when when I see that sort of stuff go, I, I looked at some Ohio State publications to see what they were saying. And. 11 Warriors, I don't know if you're familiar with them, Tim, but 11 nope. Warriors, one of the more prestigious Ohio State publications, Okay, they think Syracuse is the favorite. And in their write-ups of Roddy Gale, have always kind of noted Syracuse has felt like the favorite this entire time. So it's interesting. I don't know if it's a reverse jinx out of the, the 11 Warriors folks, but they still think that it could be Syracuse that winds up with Roddy Gale. So not all hope is lost. Yeah, I mean, not to bring up the presidential election and get into a topic of of debate on the presidential election, but it kind of is 
in, in a weird way, it kind of reminds me of that because at 9.30, 10 a.m. on Monday when Roddy Gale said, here's my top six I'm announcing Friday, the Vegas odds would have been Syracuse. And like you're saying, even the Ohio State people, I think, would have admitted that. And that was just the consensus. This isn't even just Homer radio or orange-tinted glasses no, yeah. here. You're, that you're that right, was the yeah. consensus, is Syracuse was the favorite. And then you flip about three, four hours later in the day on Monday, and you check 24-7 sports, and you see there's three crystal balls. And now Ohio State will be the Vegas favorite, overwhelmingly. So it kind of is, is having that crazy odd shift, like the presidential election, maybe. Now, obviously, you can't bet on an 18-year-old's decision, or not even an 18-year-old. That's wow, what if thing, we could? What if yeah, we that, could? That would be dangerous <laughs> for... For a lot of people out there, I don't know if that'd be great. And then the crystal balls would become there. sacred. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know we've had a conversation in the past, I think, on football more recently about crystal balls and how it's kind of sort of taking away the drama of this thing. It's a give and a take, and and I like knowing that now Syracuse is at a less likely chance of landing Roddy Gale because honestly, if I didn't know about these crystal balls. I'd probably be on this podcast talking about it's looking good with you. And then on Friday, I'd be getting the popcorn ready and ready for Roddy Gale to to give us the news. Now I'm a little less skeptical or I'm just not not as anxious for the news. Maybe I'm still anxious, but I'm I'm not really expecting the news to be as good as it was originally. But also you want to kind of give Roddy Gale his moment here. So who's to say that? Maybe this will flip back like the presidential election again, and and maybe Syracuse will get some crystal balls or something to round it out. But as of recording right now, it's looking less and less likely that Roddy Gale is coming to Syracuse. Here's what I'll say about this whole shift here is how important is Roddy Gale's commitment? And you can look at this from a couple of frames of mine in terms of what the roster build is going to look like. And then on top of that, the whole claim of you have to dominate New York, especially a guy like Roddy Gale, who's the number one player in the state of New York right now. So, you know, Syracuse, they like to have their foothold on that Northeast and recruiting, especially these top guys in New York. It's different than it is in football, where the best New York guys aren't always these super talented guys. No, Roddy Gale is a a very good talent, and he's also kind of in your neighborhood too. Like you mentioned, a, a Niagara Falls guy. He looks up to Johnny Flynn and Paul Harris and those type of guys. So, You would love to bring in a guy like Roddy Gale. But how important is his commitment? Well, so he's a freaky type of athlete, okay? We know that he's long, he's rangy, he'd be perfect at the top of that 2-3 zone. But what will this backcourt look like by the time he gets here? Yeah, that's a big thing. This whole waiver thing is throwing a giant wrench into this entire conversation. So when Roddy Gale would step on campus, let's assume for all intents and purposes that Dior Johnson is coming. Again, a very... Hmm. complicated assumption, I guess we can yes. call it, but an assumption <laughs> that way it. for right now, we have to assume. Well, the backcourt is going to be Buddy Beheim in his redshirt senior season, Joe Girard in, I guess, a, a redshirt junior season, Kadari Richmond, who is only going to have, what, two years under his belt at that yep. point in time, Dior Johnson, also in your class, and then Alan Griffin. Well, when you do the math here, Jim Beheim said it this past year, okay? We've been clamoring, oh, could we maybe see eight, nine, ten guys for Syracuse? Well, he kind of shot that down and said earlier this week that this year's team is only going to see seven or eight guys. Now, the talent that would be on that roster in 2022 versus the one here in 2020 is obviously night and day. 2022s would be way better, and I think you could get away with platooning 
up to eight or nine, 10 guys. But right there, I just rattled off five very, very good guards that you're going to have on your roster. And to me, that kind of complicates where things could be with a guy like Roddy Gale and what his position with this team would be like. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why he's ultimately looking like he's going to pick Ohio State is the playing time. I will say it seems unlikely to me, at least, that Alan Griffin would burn a waiver year and come back after. Now, I don't know Alan Griffin, and this is all hypothetical, but your point still holds, and it's a good one that, regardless, I think Bayheim and Gerard are still definitely there. And Dior, if you're Roddy Gale, you have to be planning that Dior is there. So that's kind of a non-starter. He's there right now in, in your mind. And then, of course, Kadari Richmond will also be an upperclassman. So that's three upperclassmen and a top five recruit in the country ahead of you. And what is, a, a as you were saying, usually a very thin sort of bench that Jim Beheim deploys. So, And I would guess of the four guys that would be returning guys to this backcourt, two would be all-conference. Yeah. And they'd be shattering records at that point, Beheim yeah. and Gerard. They're on pace for that if they do use that last or that. And quite extra frankly, year. I don't see any of those four guys leaving necessarily yeah. either. Between unless now they and were to transfer, I mean, I don't. I see don't it see either. a transfer happening in all likelihood, and I don't see the NBA in all likelihood of of any of those guys either. All right, more Roddy Gale thoughts in just a second. I want to take some time to tell you guys about my favorite beer. That's Coors Light, which is perfect for a moment to unwind and chill and just kick back, watch some sports on the couch. Coors Light is always there for you. It's going to be kind of an awesome sports week with the Masters. That's sort of weird to be thrown in in the fall here. You've got college game day from Augusta this weekend, and hopefully we will get Alabama LSU. I know Syracuse isn't playing this weekend, but I saw – as we were recording this, there were some reports of some COVID concerns on that Alabama-LSU game. But between that, a good NFL slate on Sunday, the Masters, it's going to be a lot of sports to watch. And when you're watching football, it's therapeutic to us fans. It's uninterrupted me time. And Coors Light is that official beer for watching any sport or team right now. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, watch some sports, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The only scenario is Dior, which we think is somewhat likely. Dior does not come. And then that spot opens up, and and I think then Roddy Gale might be in the conversation to... But there's still some pretty heavy congestion there. I mean, just because you removed Dior from the conversation, there's still four guys that are pretty much ahead of you. Yeah, but the good news is Dior is someone that... Well, he probably would be a one-and-done anyway, I guess, but if you're Roddy Gale and Dior leaves, you're coming in your freshman year, you're probably going to play then, at least to some extent. You're going to get an opportunity to play and mm-hmm. prove yourself and then your second year you're looking at probably running the show in the backcourt if you come back for your second year which i think someone like him probably has plans of doing that right I now i would this, agree with that change yeah and again it to me this is what it looks like all right you're driving down the highway and all of a sudden you hit this traffic congestion okay there's a crash on the interstate and boom everyone's backed up okay and that's gonna be roddy gale's freshman year trying to navigate playing time But once you get to your sophomore year, well, Buddy's gone. You got Alan Griffin gone. You got Dior, in all likelihood, gone. 
Then that's once you get past that crash, and then you know how it seems like there's three cars on the highway once you get past that little crash, and yeah. everyone's done looking at the crash and slowing down the traffic. Then you're cruising, because right after that, Roddy Gale will be a starter on this team in all likelihood if he gets to that sophomore season. Now, does he have one-and-done aspirations? Maybe. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure he has one-and-done aspirations, but the again, you have to weigh the likelihood yeah, of so all did of Jalen it, too. Carey, so, and, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean... When you look at a guy like Roddy Gale, the path to playing time is obviously there. It's just not going to be immediate. And is that going to be something that he kind of shies away from? Yeah, and it's the thing that you get into when you get into the 2022 conversation here. Having Dior is great. Having Dior committed is terrific. It, it bolsters your program. It makes you look better. The only thing is, I think you will run into, you know, if you're a Zion Cruz or a J.J. Starling, you're probably thinking that same thing when you look at the 2022-23 roster and what's there for your first season. And if you have one and done aspirations, it's it's why I think Chance Westry does make sense because he can play the three and he's projecting to be a little bit taller and a little bit longer than a Roddy Gale. So it's tough. I mean, Roddy to me, always made sense. And then this waiver thing comes down. I think that did probably change his mindset, even if it's subconsciously to him a little bit, because now Buddy and Joe are going to be there. And you know the history with Syracuse, if you do your research on the playing time there and how often you're going to be able to get a crack into the rotation and what's ahead of you. I mean, it's kind of a tough challenge, and, and some people would say you, if you're Roddy Gale, you welcome that challenge, and you go to the best school in a school that can have a really talented roster, but you know, Ohio State might just be a better balance for him because they're trending upwards, but maybe they have more opportunity for him to play in his first year, and that could be a deal-breaker in this scenario. I, I, I'm already sounding like he's definitely going to Ohio State. That's kind of just what I'm doing at this point, almost as a defense mechanism, because it does feel like these crystal balls are are telling us that, and I'd almost be shocked now if he picks Syracuse on Friday, but if he picks Ohio State, it's not completely done. I mean, Syracuse has flipped guys. They, they actually flipped Darius Baisley from Ohio State. That did not end right. well, but they, they got him to flip. Tyus Battle flipped from a Big Ten school in Michigan, so if you're Roddy Gale, you pick Ohio State here on Friday, you've got tons of time and maybe in a year time, we find out Dior Johnson's not going to Syracuse. And then all of a sudden, Syracuse is going harder after Roddy Gale because they know that they were right there and he might flip back. This is all just conjecture at this point, but that's all we can do. And and it's a bummer. It, it also is kind of a good problem to have that we've got Dior and we're talking about this great backcourt and how it's going to be hard to find playing time and there's too much talent there. Also think of it from this lens, too. There are a full 12 months until this kid actually is going to put pen to paper and say he's committing to whatever school he picks. A lot can change. What if he goes and, and this summer, maybe these camps are back open, these AAU tournaments, the, the Peach Jams of the world are, are back and the EYBL circuit's all back and he explodes and he somehow becomes some top 25 McDonald's All-American level guy. Does he maybe reconsider then? because some other schools will come calling? Or does he maybe think of, of the fact that, okay, maybe between now and then, Buddy says, I don't care if I have that extra year. I'm not going to play it. Or you could say the same about some of these other guys on, on the Syracuse roster as well. Do, does that clear out a little bit? There's so much that can happen in 12 months. 
And as we've clearly seen from this past year, a ton can happen in 12 months. So when I look at, and this is kind of the dangers of, not the dangers, but the, the, the opportunities, and I guess to a degree dangers, of committing a full year in advance is this door is now all of a sudden open for so much to change. I mean, what if Chris Holtman takes a better job? I mean, I don't think he will, but he very well could. I think he's yeah. definitely one of the big up-and-comers in college basketball. It's a good if point. there's a, a big blue blood job that opens up for some reason, that he's all, obviously going to be a candidate for something like that. And there's just so much that can change. So yeah. even even though he's going to commit, don't fully buy into the fact that this could be a, a done and finished process when it all comes down to it. I agree with that. Because hey, I mean, at look least... at how look at how Syracuse is already framing the conversation. Syracuse fans, I should say, are framing the conversation about their 2022 commit. Now he did it almost three years in advance. It feels like, but with Dior Johnson. Again, we've said a number of times, we're not fully confident he's going to ever suit up for the Orange. So you got to think about that too, because so much can change in a year's time. Yeah, and there's still a ton out there in 2022 for Syracuse that I'm very excited about. And a lot of guys that I think they will make a short list for and they'll be having these type of conversations for. Roddy Gale just felt like he was... You know, he kind of felt like a Quade Green or an Andre Jackson of recent, where you were just kind of always in the driver's seat, and it's becoming kind of a theme that's a little annoying when you're tracking these from a Syracuse side of things, that this guy was kind of the, the quote-unquote favorite to come, or Syracuse was the favorite for him, and consensus Yeah, I mean, like, we had seen him. the graphics and stuff like that that have been tweeted at us, and we've even had this conversation of likelihood of guys coming, and we... I think we even put Roddy Gale number yeah, one. Yeah, he's always led that. He's yeah. always been that. And I think a number of Syracuse fans out there have felt the exact same way as us. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it stings because this has become kind of a theme. But you also have to keep in mind that we did get Dior and we did get Benny Williams, our top two targets in the, you know, the twenty our top 2022 guy and our top 2021 guy, basically. Exactly. And, and, and that's, that's another thing to, to keep in mind here is that even though... Roddy Gale, in terms of the percentages, it felt like he was the strongest of coming. Well, guess what? He wasn't the most talented of all of these targets. Now, that's not to take anything away from his game. But there are a bunch of other top 25 guys that Syracuse is pretty heavily invested in. And even, I mean, think about guys who would fit better now. Again, that we've laid out this whole waiver yeah, situation and what the, right. the backcourt's going to look like. You mentioned Chance Westry. It's someone who's felt like he's been a done deal for Syracuse for quite some time and can maybe play the three. And now you're hearing Benny Williams talk about a guy like Jarris Walker, super interested in coming to to Syracuse to take a visit, and he's now his teammate at IMG. Well, to me, if I had my druthers and I could pick between a guy like Westry, a guy like Roddy Gale, and a guy like Jarris Walker, to me it's a no-brainer. It's Jarris Walker that I would want to come to Syracuse because he's one of those top 10 guys that maybe you're feeling a little threat and some heat from the G League more more so than than him decommitting from your program and picking someone else but it's just so much can happen in a year and even though you might lose out on a guy like Roddy Gale because of all this growing Ohio State interest that's poured in lately it's not the end of the world again we we always like to joke how people overreact to every right. single decommit and, and listen some of them some of these overreactions are warranted but at the same time Roddy Gale would not be the end of the world if he's not going to come because Syracuse is already 
pretty heavily invested and has done a lot of homework on a lot of these 2022 guys. Yep. All right, well, we will have more on Roddy Gale once he does make that decision, and we'll see if maybe the Vegas odds swing back in in Syracuse's favor there, and if any crystal balls keep coming out during the week, we'll keep you updated on that. When we come back, we're going to talk some football and get into a larger discussion about the quarterbacks. You know we love to do that on this show. Now the quarterback conversation is more what should be the plan the rest of the year, assuming Rex is out of the fold or if he stays hurt, should you look at Dylan Markowitz a little bit? And should Markowitz get some playing time and see what he's got the rest of the season? We'll dive into that next. You know what I did before we recorded this? I went for my daily run, and I couldn't have gotten through it without the help of Built Go. You know, I had to salvage the last nice day of the year. It's feeling like we're about to make the turn into a cold, cold winter. So that means I'm dealing with some extra heat on this run today. Not feeling it one bit. I'm hitting a wall before my day even begins, but thanks to Built Go, I broke through that wall, and you can too. All you gotta do is rip open one of these one and a half ounce packages and you'll be good to go so you can attack your day. I'm telling you, this is the best workout gel on the market. Ditch your old workout gels or energy drinks and go with the delicious and healthy option that Built Go provides. It comes in three amazing flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, which means it's fast absorbing, and works quickly while also taking it easy on the stomach. Right now, go to BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you will get 20% off your next order. Let's go. Okay, time to talk some football now, and how much Dylan Markowitz, the other freshman quarterback of note, or the other true freshman quarterback of note, should play the rest of the season after what we saw from Jacoby and Morgan and what we've seen out of the quarterback position so far this year. Ty, did you see what John Wallace put on oh, Twitter? Oh, yes, I did. Yesterday. Can, yeah. I just, can I just say one quick thing? Can we yep. can we slow the brakes with McNabb, please? please? Did he bring up McNabb? I didn't see uh, that. Yes, he did. He's, he, I think he tagged Donovan McNabb in the tweet saying how he reminds him of another quarterback who used to play for Syracuse. And oh, wow. I think he was referencing McNabb. At least okay. that's the way. That, do you have the tweet in front of you? Yeah, so the, the tweet I, I have in front of me is just one tweet where he said, quote, I started all 29 games as a freshman, and I can tell you that Jacobian showed a lot of poise and awareness for someone so young, even though we lost to BC. I mean it when I say that we might have gotten a glimpse at our future QB at Cuse football. So was there a separate tweet? There was another mentioned? one. Yeah, so there's another one. It goes, oh, I who see does it this now. remind me yeah. of? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Let me think. Dot, dot, dot. At Donovan J. McNabb. Yeah, and it's and a, it was a video. A throw. Yeah, yeah. it's a, a gif of Morgan navigating through the pocket, rolling out to his weak side, and then completing a pass downfield to Queeley. So. Yes, which is, by the way, the throw I was talking about on yesterday's podcast. Yes. If anyone was no, listen, that was, was an impressive play, no doubt. Yeah. Yes. No, it was, but, I mean, you're right. Donovan McNabb is, like, throwing out Carmelo Anthony when we're talking Benny Williams and these other recruits. It's You don't <laughs> want to put that burden on anyone, right? that level of expectation. But, I don't know, I thought it was interesting from John Wallace. I obviously love to see that he's supporting Q still, and I think he's got a podcast he's doing, so maybe he's he's drumming up his takes for that. You can check him out on that, I guess, but... What do you think about Dylan Markowitz and, and what should be next sort of at the quarterback position going forward? I, I'm kind of of the belief that 
we're at the point in the season where one and seven. Let's let's keep throwing different guys out there and keep getting different guys some looks and reps. And Markowitz falls into that camp for me. Here's how I look at it. I look at it a little differently than you. There's a reason Jacoby and Morgan has been playing instead of Dylan Markowitz. He showed yep. something in practice or or something along those lines that has warranted him getting the reps as opposed to a guy like Markowitz. I think Jacobian has to play really bad to say next man up. And to a degree, I think that's kind of what happened with Rex. And Rex did reach the the level of really bad to say next man up. And now I think Jacobian has to be given the same leash. Maybe not to as, as long because it felt like Rex's leash. I mean, it's one of those dog leashes that you you reach in and, and it you know it pulls out of the, the dog leash handle <laughs> and it keeps pulling, yeah. but it's like the the clown pulling the the rag out of his sleeve and it just keeps on going like that's that's the leash that I felt like Rex Culpepper had but with with a guy like Jacoby and I think you have a more traditional leash here it's like the leather leash there's no hidden compartment where it can keep rolling out no you can see what the leash length is and <laughs> listen there's no reason for me to believe that Jacobian like he was solid, all right? And he didn't do anything in that last game for me to say, nope, to the bench you go, we're bringing in the next kid. Like, he, he didn't do anything in that game for me to warrant that. And yeah. that, that's why I think, let's slow it, slow the brakes a little bit on looking at a guy like Dylan Markowicz this closely. So the only reason why I'd be for it is because Babers mentioned that it was a tight race in practice and that it was a tight call between Morgan and Markowitz. And, you know, I think everyone would agree that coming out of high school, they were pretty much on level playing fields when you watch their tape and what their rating said and what their offer sheet said. So to me, it seems like Markowitz is kind of right there. And you really just don't know totally until you give the guy a shot out there. Because like Dino said, you you know, you could throw a freshman out there and he could just drop the snap or something and be a total deer in the headlights. So I'm kind of for it, even though I think you bring up some good points that Morgan by no means did anything that warranted being benched in this last game. I'm not coming at it from a perspective of, Oh, like Morgan wasn't the answer. I we gave him a shot. Let's move on. It's more, uh, you know, we're one in seven. We've got a, a couple games coming up here. We got Louisville after the bye week. We've got NC State, and then I think it's Notre Dame, and that's it, right? I, I don't have the schedule yeah. in front of me, mm-hmm. but by memory, I think that's it. So yeah, that's eleven games for you, and then you might get a bowl game too, depending on yeah. how that that all is getting planned out. Yeah, I, I can't wait for us to play in a bowl game as a one win team. That's going to be quite the experiment in, in COVID times and everything. Syracuse and Michigan, <laughs> Syracuse, Penn state in the pinstripe bowl. Yeah. Oh, it, it probably That's will what we're be looking at right now too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I think, I think you bring up some good points. I could see it going both ways. I'm just happy that Jacoby and Morgan, we're at the point now where we're seeing what he has and we're figuring out things about a guy that could be a part of the future and not a guy who was a former tight end who never showed us really anything and is going into what would be his sixth year in the program if he does decide to come back, which who knows what Rex's future is, and we wish him all the best. But, I mean, I, I hope we just see a freshman the rest of the way. I hope it's Morgan, yes, and if I, it's I not agree. Morgan, it's Markowitz. Well, look at it from this lens, too. When you think about this new waiver situation that everyone's kind of thrown into right now, it's not very likely you have both of these guys on your roster long-term, right? 
because given the way that quarterback recruiting goes and you imagine Syracuse is going to bring in a quarterback in pretty much every single class, you feel like the bridge has been put in place to go from Tommy DeVito to Justin Lampson. At least that's the plan and what everything looks like right now. And then on top of that, like you need, I I just don't see a a world where both of these guys are on the roster long-term. Eventually one of them is going to say, all right, I'm not playing at any point here. So I got to go figure out my situation somewhere else. And that's why I think you kind of want to commit to a certain guy right now, because you want to have a backup plan in place. I mean, this isn't like the NFL where you go from a Dak Prescott to a Ben DiNucci and the season's just absolutely lost at that point. No, the The drop-off in talent from starting quarterback to backup quarterback, at least in college, I feel like it's a little bit closer because of the fact that when you recruit guys, you can recruit some talented guys at the quarterback position, but they're given a year or two to develop and learn everything. Like, think about Clemson, okay? And and again, Clemson may be a bit of an outlier, but I think the, the overall point holds clear here. They went from Trevor Lawrence, and then the next guy up was DJ Uyunglele. I I don't know if I said that right, but... I think you're close. But <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say is the guy that you recruit, the next guy usually is about the same in terms of the talent. And maybe Syracuse is a little bit different now, but Jacoby and Morgan, I think at least the drop-off that I've seen from DeVito to Morgan, well, PFF says there is no drop-off. In fact, they actually improved in the quarterback department. But yeah. That that sort of thing is the season's not lost in college football necessarily when you lose a quarterback. And I feel like if you had Jacoby and Morgan in there to be that next man up, that's not a bad thing to have in your back pocket. And that's why I would say pick one, commit to them, and let this season ride out with them. Yeah, I think this is showing that a couple things. One, Rex definitely should not have been the backup because there was a huge drop-off from... DeVito to Rex as we knew that was coming we talked about it in just the limited time we saw Rex even though he threw that touchdown pass that kind of phantom pass to to Taj Harris against Pitt and there was some rumblings that they should move to him we knew that from an arm talent perspective there was just a a lot to overcome there and a huge accuracy everything yeah yeah and and then I think it's also showing that they've whiffed on on some quarterback recruits here. Because, yes, Morgan is getting some hype from guys like John Wallace, but he's not going to turn a ton of heads nationally. And Listen, what we at the end of the day, him, John Wallace is a basketball player, okay? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's what it, let's call it what it is here. And that's not to discredit anything that he did on the basketball court, but he's not some football scout. Again, he made it further in athletics than both you and I ever will, Tim. But... He's a basketball player judging football talent right here. He's not some high-level football scout that's being thrown out there to make these sort of evaluations. Right. And he's he's a biased basketball player who's biased to this program. And, and sure, we might be a little bit too, or maybe I might be at times when, when we talk about recruiting in, in 2022 and stuff like that. But, I I mean, Morgan is is a three-star. He's not some groundbreaking talent. You can get excited about him, and I think there's reasons to get excited about him, but you would like to have a little bit better in the quarterback room right now. You'd like to have someone that would be there if Justin Lampson needs some time when he comes, because that seems likely, right? You talked about how it goes to Or at least someone to to give a push, right? Like, this program, ever since Eric Dungy, where Dungy was the clear starter, but let's remember, Dungy had some push, too. 
Yes. Tommy DeVito provided a little bit of push at times, whether it was the UNC game or, I mean, he came back and held strong in that Florida State game leading into that NC State game. I mean, even remember the the preseason leading into that great year, the 10-3 and year in 2018, where Dino just wouldn't even commit to a guy yet. Yeah, he was non-committal. It took a while to commit to who the starting quarterback was because apparently Tommy was playing pretty well in the camp. So you just want someone to push. And listen, we don't know what Dylan is. We don't know a lick of what Dylan is. And I think, though, the coaching staff knows. And they know that Jacobian is the guy. And there's a reason Jacobian is the guy that's been put out there this entire time. And there's a reason why, at the end of the game against Wake Forest, it was ultimately Jacobian instead of Dylan out there. And why Dylan didn't get to hand the ball off six times against Clemson. Like, I feel like there is a method to that madness there. Yeah, for sure. And I think it is tight, so that's why I'd be willing, but... But you're right. Morgan's the guy and he won the job and he's doing a good job of sort of proving why he won the job. So ride with him for now. All right. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Just until there is clear evidence that you need to give another guy a shot, give Morgan the chance to fail. He has not failed yet. So let him fail. And when he fails, then okay, you can move to the next guy in line. Yeah. I think I largely agree with you. It wouldn't I wouldn't be disappointed if Markowitz came on the field from just a perspective of, oh, now this is more exciting than what we've been watching. And and now I get to see someone else and evaluate someone else and talk about someone else on this podcast. But that's also just kind of like selfish opinions. If you want to win the football game, let's ride with the guy who's been doing better in practice and has already been doing pretty well on the field as well. And we, we talk about the rest of the season, one in seven, and I say how it's kind of a lost season you still would like to see them win some games. If they can pull out a win here, maybe it's in that bowl game. Yeah, I mean, that we you're were not getting about. some sort of draft pick out of losing. Yeah. You, if and, any, I mean, this works the complete opposite of how the professional sports work and the whole tanking. When you lose football games, in fact, you move back in quote unquote draft position. Recruits aren't going to look too highly upon you if you're yeah, putting together a one in 10 season. Yeah. Yeah. So, Okay, well, th- those are our thoughts on the quarterback. And I did see as we were recording this that the ACC... I, see, I know where you're going, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the schedule came out and uh, the men's basketball schedule, conference schedule. So I haven't had a chance to look at that yet. And you probably, as you're listening to this, have already looked at that. But we'll talk about that tomorrow on the show. And we'll get into 10 thoughts on the basketball side of things. I think we might be doing some bold predictions tomorrow on the basketball season, but we'll, we'll figure out what our 10 thoughts is and we'll talk about the ACC schedule. And it looks like media day for the ACC is coming up this week too. So I'm sure those polls will drop and we'll, we'll riff on where Syracuse is in the polls and who was on the all ACC teams and all that. So it should be basketball on Wednesday and Thursday here, barring any other news. And then Friday we will uh, maybe, maybe talk some football. We'll see. We'll, we'll hopefully uh, have some guests. Roddy Gale, too, like, is, I think we're, we might be a little late on our Friday podcast. Oh, yeah, because we'll, Roddy we'll Gale. wait for the Roddy right. Gale news. Yeah, which might be uh, not as good of news as we thought originally. But thanks for listening today, and we will uh, talk to you guys tomorrow.